Good morning. Welcome to the Mystery Relevant Podcast. It's Monday, October 16th. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram. We're going to overreact to the Redskins barely pulling one out against the 49ers to go three and two. Here to talk about that from the Washington City Paper, it's Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How you doing? I'm okay. I mean, it was, it was about as bad a win as you can have, but it's better than a loss. It is, but I mean, the same way the last game uh, was was a moral victory. Uh, this was a moral defeat. I was trying to explain this to my kids. Uh, I was they, they would come into the room and see that the Redskins were winning, and they'd be like, "Yeah, we're winning," and I'd be like, "Yeah, we're winning mathematically, but spiritually, we are very definitely losing." I'm surprised that in the Turl household, the kids aren't already well familiar with the concept of moral defeat. <laughs> You'd be surprised. They're so, they're so full of joy and enthusiasm, no matter how much I try to explain to them otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I felt better about the Skins after they lost at Kansas City than I do today after they won home against San Francisco. They were 12.5-point favorites, and that's how you knew that it was going to be close. Like, why? The Redskins shouldn't be 12.5-point favorites ever against anyone in any context, uh, unless it's like 1991 again. Although, you know, bright side is that there were two other double-digit home favorites yesterday that ended up losing, uh, Denver to New York and Atlanta to Miami. Uh, so, yeah. Yay, Redskins? Yay. Yay. I'll get, I'll get with that. It could be much, 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 much worse today. We could have lost to Kyle Shanahan, our former offensive coordinator, with C.J. Beathard's, uh, C.J. Beathard at quarterback, Bobby Beathard's grandson. Um, right, you know, with that, Aldrick Robinson catching the game-winning touchdown. And Pierre Garçon knocking our, our defensive backs' heads off. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it could have been worse. Okay, let's that do our reactions. Uh, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, broadcasting, referees, all that jazz. Uh, as always, we start with our captain, Kirk Cousins. How do you think he did? Well, how about if I take the Kirk Cousins from like the first quarter or so and you take the rest of the Kirk Cousins? Because then I can just say that I thought he was great. He looked untouchable out there. He was hitting everything. He was making smart decisions. Uh, what did you think? Uh, there, I mean, I think the rest of the performance was uh, for the most part. I mean, for the most part, there were some nice runs and he had that nice throw to Vernon Davis. Uh, but he was pretty inaccurate, especially on anything like mid to long range. Like, that first quarter when they were humming along and they built up a 17 nothing lead, he looked great, but it was all like short stuff. It was like the, the Chris Thompson game, you know, or, or underneath to Jordan Reed type of stuff. Uh, he seemed pretty inaccurate at any time he was trying to stretch it further than that. Well, and it, it seemed like uh, you ever play uh, Dance Dance Revolution or Guitar Hero or any, any one of those games where like it's a rhythm game. Like that's literally what it seemed like for him. Like as soon as the rhythm broke, he was just just squawking noises and guitar feedback and just <laughs> just abject horror. Once he made his first mistake, uh, I mean, we've we've talked about him being streaky before, but this was some like next level streakiness. Yeah. And I mean, the. The uh, underneath his numbers look great. 330 touchdowns, 330 yards, two touchdowns in the air, one on the ground. But about 105 of those yards were to Chris Thompson on screens. Uh, the 49ers are terrible uh, against the pass. I mean, every every like fantasy forecast for, you know leading up to this was like Kirk Cousins is the big start. Um, in a game where he was, it was kind of a showcase game for him uh, with regard to his fortune next offseason. Um, he didn't look like a guy who'd be very highly sought after. He looked like just a guy. 
I, I'm still, and we don't need to rehash all of this now, but, but mm-hmm. the more I think about it, the less sense it makes for me, for somebody like uh, a Kyle Shanahan to pay the premium for Kirk Cousins. I, yeah. like, even if he doesn't think C.J. Beathard can be a starter, uh, uh, the, the dollar savings on a high-round quarterback is so substantial over what he'd have to pay for Cousins. I mean, it, I don't know. That may not be the slam dunk that we all thought it was last offseason. Well, especially if the 49ers are going to go 0-16. And have like their pick of any quarterback that they want coming out of college, and like a pretty strong draft for for quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, in any event, after an zero and six start, they're going to have a very high pick and could take their take their choice. One thing about Cousins that's I think notable is how much he's running the ball. You know, he had twenty six yards and a touchdown yesterday. I just looked it up. He has one hundred and three yards through five games. That is his career high rushing. Well, I haven't I haven't looked it up yet, but I can't in my memory think of any time where a Redskins quarterback running the ball regularly has worked against us. So that seems like a good thing. <laughs> That's very yeah. My my uh, my three year old son dug a RG three jersey out of the uh, <laughs> closet yesterday. It was wearing an RG three jersey, and it was hard to look at him. I, I'll be honest. It was hard. Yeah, to- so it's it's funny that you say that because I was cleaning out my seven year old son's drawer and apparently he'd gotten a hand-me-down rg3 jersey from somewhere and i found it and i was just like oh my god this house is haunted like yeah, it's funny on? i was gonna call i was gonna call you on that like yeah sure the hand-me-down rg3 jersey from somewhere sure but honestly i don't know where this one came from either it's like these they just <laughs> appear like it was somewhere within the family i know it wasn't one of my kids i think it might have been uh my brother-in-law's kids maybe had an rg3 i'm not sure uh, but yes, now we're in possession of one. All right, moving along from from Cousins, um, I don't know. Let, let's go with the running backs because Thompson, yeah, he had a huge day through the air, hundred plus yards uh, receiving, most of it on screens. I think he had a forty nine yarder. It's just a thing of beauty when the Chris Army knife is like in the open field, catching and running with a screen. But he was like his role seemed to change where he was now like the featured back or much more so than, than he was before where the featured back, if the Redskins have such a thing was Rob Kelly or, or Piran today, it seemed to be Thompson and it really wasn't working out for him. Well, okay. Can we talk about Piran for a minute? Cause like Thompson wasn't working out great, but Piran wasn't working out at all. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not convinced at this point that he is a viable, um, go to back like sure maybe if you need a fill in maybe he could be you remember in 91 when gerald riggs would be used only inside like the three yard line yes like maybe you could do that with him maybe but i haven't seen anything that makes me feel like yeah i'm excited for this guy to get more reps is that Mm -hmm. just me no that's exactly it and if anybody is generating a little excitement it was mac brown mac brown had a little sauce Well, it's weird. He looked like he had sauce, but then I looked at the stats after the game, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what that sauce was on because the numbers are not there. But yeah, I agree with you. When he came in, I was like, "Yeah, that guy. He knows what he's doing. Let's let's do that." Well, I'm looking at now. He had two carries for two yards, so yeah, not that saucy. But one of those carries, I think, was like a third and one, maybe, where he juked a guy and got the first down. It looked good. It looked impressive in a way that Piran had really no moments of that nature. Um, But yeah, running the ball. Thompson, 16 for 33. That's not good. P. Ryan, 9 for 23. Um, there's just there's just no run game. And I don't know. I mean, for as much credit as the Redskins seem to get for having this really effective pass game, I, I don't know that they've got that either. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, you know, so if they don't have run and they don't have pass, at least uh, what what do they have? Okay, well, just look at the receivers. I mean, this is why this is why I'm kind of transitioning to the receivers. So, uh, Thompson, God bless him, he's on pace for the first thousand yard season for a running back since 1999. I saw that today on Twitter. Since Marshall Falk had a thousand yards. That's really impressive. Number two on the Redskins uh, receiving yardage list this year is their backup tight end, Vernon Davis, who's on pace for like 700 yards. Everyone else is sub 700 yards, and in most cases, considerably less so. I mean, Pryor, Crowder, even Doxon, Grant, like those guys I mean, barely made any plays. In aggregate, I would say the wide receivers were absent, and really the only highlights came on the Dachshund touchdown, which wasn't that big of a deal, and maybe a couple nice catches by Grant. Yeah, and and it felt to me early on like they were actively trying to work Terrell Pryor into the mix, giving him some like mm-hmm. easy design plays that were supposed to go to him that should have been easy catches to like I, I don't it really felt to me like they're trying to, you know, bring him into it and 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 mm-hmm. help him along, like sending a kid to kindergarten or something. And I, I know this is a recurring motif for our conversations, but uh, Terrell Pryor, uh, boy, I am not still not impressed. <laughs> uh, not, not sure what's going on there. Um, and where's Ryan Grant? Oh, who knew he's actually not terrible. I, 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 Ryan Grant's like slowly winning over a skeptical fan base, but yeah, Pryor and Crowder combined yesterday, six catches, for 38 yards six yards a catch those guys i honestly thought they were going to replace garcon and jackson in terms of production and they're i mean nowhere close and with reed not you know i don't know why he's not performing but he's not i don't it could be injuries it probably is it like just the pass game i don't think scares anybody it's thompson and like you know not much else yeah, uh, Vernon Davis is really impressive for the first 20 to 30 yards whenever he breaks a big one. But boy, you can see uh, uh, he's younger than us, but you can see the age wearing on him as he tries to truck down the field. <laughs> yeah, God bless that old 33-year-old, whatever he is. <laughs> um, yeah, in, in Dachshund, I mean, the TD, it's great. I, I love seeing him score touchdown, you know, given the, the last season he had and his troubles to get on the field. Uh, but the TD wasn't all that impressive, and he only school he only played. I think I saw Burgundy blog uh, tweeted this like twenty six percent of the snaps. Why? <laughs> like, why? What's going on with Doxon? Why isn't he a bigger part of the offense? I think that might have been like his only target. When you have dynamic playmakers like uh, Ryan Grant and Terrell Pryor, you got to get them in there, and those snaps, you know, somebody else has to give up those snaps. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't watch the game closely enough, nor I have enough of an expert to evaluate the offensive line. But it seemed like, you know, despite the struggle in the run game, they were giving Cousins time. There weren't, you know, a plethora of penalties, um, whatever. I, I thought the offensive line seemed fine. The one thing I wanted to call out was when Brandon Scherf, 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 sure. got, sure, sure, Scherf, sure. got a penalty for finishing off a block. Like it was just a badass block and he got, I don't know, some sort of like unnecessary roughness for it. It should have been a highlight. And for some reason he was penalized. Yeah. And then, and then when they cut to him afterwards, uh, he looked terrifying. Like imagining that guy bearing down on me with, with Kirk cousins, just skipping merrily along behind him. Got, like I was frightened. <laughs> um, let's see. What else can we talk about? Oh, another thing on prior before I, I move past, on the uh, reviewable uh, Jameson Crowder, like he was 
not called down and he ran on for like another 20 yards and uh cousins like tried to hurry everybody up to the line to get the next snap off because it was like pretty clear that that was going to possibly be reviewed and called back he's like frantically waving everybody to the line like let's get this thing off and prior like goes in motion like comes across in motion referees blow the whistle to review the play i thought cousins was just gonna punch him right in the throat agreed and that was terrible for two separate and distinct reasons one is it was a really rare case of kirk cousins showing some awareness of what was going on in the game situation and making what would have been a heady decision i mean the 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 negative example of that before i get back to the second problem with this was uh there was a free play it was pretty clearly a free play defense had jumped and you know kirk cousins threw the ball out into the sideline instead of doing the aaron Rodgers thing of throwing it into the end zone um really annoying so cousins finally does something good and it's negated also frustrating because prior you would think that would be exactly the kind of thing that wouldn't be a problem for him the whole book on him is that he was a former quarterback and he's you know he understands both sides of right throwing and catching the ball like he should never have made that mistake that was infuriating on every level agreed um there was one other reviewable play that we'll talk about later during the referee portion of the program um, with Vernon Davis and the fumble. But anyways, moving into the defense. Uh, I'm just really happy they were playing the 49ers yesterday because if CJ Beathard or, or beat hard as the Ooh. nine-year-old who was watching at my game called him, cause he was just looking at the name on the screen and read it as beat hard. Yep. We had that at our house. Also. <laughs> yeah, who's, who's beat hard. Yep. Um, I was like, stop saying that. It's, Sounds dirty. <laughs> um, if if CJ Beathard was getting some against the Redskins with a group of receivers who are just aside from Garcon, like completely unremarkable in every way, I would hate to see what would have happened uh, if a good quarterback, good receiving core was going against this depleted secondary. Well, talent is one thing, but I think also the the defensive backs were getting caught staring at Beathard's droopy blonde mustache, which was really unsettling. Like, I, that was just weird, and that would throw me off my game, too. Look, you got to cut them some slack because I honestly don't know who was in the defensive backfield by the end of the game. Everyone got injured, and so the guys who were in were either playing injured or were people I have more or less never heard of. So from that perspective, they kind of did okay, but yeah. Uh, another team would have taken that apart. So we had Norman was out to begin with. And then I think Swearinger visited the little medical tent at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. McClure, the like fourth, fifth rounder from this year went out. Th- Breland went I out. McClure was the undrafted one. Oh, is he the undrafted one? Okay. I think I, he's undrafted. I'm sorry. Moreau and Nicholson, who were like yeah. the third and fourth rounders were prominently featured. Um, yeah. And sometimes in bad ways, like the Aldrich Robinson, Aldrich Robinson touchdown. <laughs> Look, when the Aldrich Robinson revenge game rolls around, you just got to get out of the way. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the defense has played well this season, or at least the last several games. And uh, you know, there was there was some guys making big plays today, like uh, Preston Smith getting his fifth sack of the year, Ioannidis getting his third or fourth sack. Uh, I think Kerrigan got one. Zach Brown was all over the place as he normally is, but that secondary was just like too much of the B-list guys, uh, you know, to really, to really hold it down. Hopefully yeah. they, they get, they get right before next Monday night. But uh, yeah, it was, 
it was a little uh, scary there. And one one thing I want to zero in on is uh, that strange moment before the first half was over, where the 49ers are driving down 17 nothing. Pierre Garcon somehow decapitates Nicholson, <laughs> and then Swearinger goes after Garcon as if like the wide receiver could be like accused of headhunting or something. I don't, I don't know what happened there to like spark Swearinger to get that penalty, which ended up resulting in the 49ers scoring a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal. I think Swearinger said something after the game. Like he, he, he heard Garcon like celebrating or making fun. Garcon did something after the fact that pissed Swearinger off and, and led to that. Uh, you know, you could make the argument that like, that's a good, it's good to have that fire, et cetera. But yeah, no, that sucked. It did suck. I mean, because at that point, it's 17 nothing. I mean, they, if, if, uh, I think it was fourth and two was the result of that play. Uh, mm-hmm. They would have kicked a field goal 17 3 at the half. Instead, it was 17 7. It got all the way back to tied eventually. Um, yeah, I mean, he was contrite about it, but whatever. It was a tough, a tough uh, outcome there. Anything else on the defense before we move on to specials? Because there was some special stuff happening with specials. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I'm good on the defense. What, what, what have you got on special teams? Okay, so Dustin Hopkins missed an extra point. That happens. Guys miss field goals. Uh, Robbie Gold missed a field goal yesterday that you know ended up helping the Redskins quite a bit because if they had both made their field goals, it would have been a tied 27-27 affair. The mm-hmm. thing that really chaffed my ass was after the onside kick, after the Redskins go three and out, just running the ball up the ass of the offensive line three straight times and not really trying to get a first down. There's like one minute left in the game. They're punting from like their, the San Francisco, like 40, maybe 45. Mm-hmm. And Tressway, he doesn't just get a touchback. It was almost like a kickoff where the ball lands in the stands. Like the punt landed in the back of the end zone. It didn't roll into the end zone. It wasn't like at the goal line. It was the worst <laughs> punt I have ever seen. It was, it, especially for a guy who's usually pretty good at not doing that. But that, so let's let's talk about that whole sequence for a second. What? And, and you know, hold on, I'm glad you're talking about because I got a little too worked up there. It was also the context of all of the shit that was going wrong with the Redskins in those moments. For him to punt it like that in that moment, it, it just drove me crazy. Well, I mean, I, I, like I said, I was discussing these you know, moral losses and, and losing spiritually and in. in my house, I, I was sure the wheels were off. It, it, that seemed like an inevitable outcome after the previous three plays. But the irony of the previous three plays is that as they started on first down, I said, come on, just don't throw it. Like in, in my head and possibly out loud, I was afraid that Gruden was going to throw the ball, which would lead to an interception, which would lead to a stop clock, which would give the Niners too much time. And they didn't throw it. So at first I was like, well, at least they didn't throw the ball. So they've got that going for them. But in hindsight, maybe there were other running plays that you could have considered. Um, yeah, a bootleg Cousins out. I mean, who knows? But but yeah, that was that was bad, right? Or, or I mean, you've been making all this hay with a screen game. Just call a screen, you know, or like a rollout with a couple options to pass, or something. You know what I mean? Like not running the ball right up the ass, which the Redskins have like shown over and over again, whether it's on the goal line or in like a third and one situation, like they cannot just run the ball up the middle and expect to get positive yardage. 
Right. No, I see. I, I don't want the screen. I don't want them throwing the ball because because an incompletion in that situation is really bad. Uh, not to mention Cousins' proclivity for throwing an interception in the flat. Um, I, I like running the ball, but as you keep saying, just running up the ass of the guy in front of you wasn't the way to go. There were other. I I've, I only know from Madden. Like I never played football, but I've mm-hmm. definitely seen other approaches to running. There, there are other runs. There are other yeah, runs totally. that are out, yeah that are in the playbook. Maybe they don't know that you can press up on the controller and scroll through the plays. I still can't believe the guy kicked it out of the back of the end zone. Like, who does that? <laughs> who does that? It, a pro well, punt. That is the Tress way. The margin for error there is like somewhere between like the 15 yard line and the goal line. Like that's pretty. That's a pretty big margin for error. I would have loved to see a fake in that situation, to be honest with you. I, that, that would have been a really interesting place for a fake punt. Uh, okay, so I think that that's pretty much it on special teams. Uh, Crowder didn't fumble the ball. That's great. Uh, but how terrified were you that he was going to? Very, very. And actually, Me I think too. he caught one, and I saw like the guy in the coverage kind of like dapped him on the helmet. And I was like, please make it so that he's talking shit to Crowder about his previous botched punts. Yeah, that's what it looked like, but I could have just been projecting. I don't know. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, anything about the coaching today? Well, okay. So aside from the, the three and out that we just discussed, um, and uh, I, I've got one that I'll get to later because it's probably not a top mm-hmm. of the top of the segment item, but, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, it was, it was all right. What, what did you think? Well, the thing that really, it bothered me. Got me a little worked up again. It was like in the second half when they had first down on like the four. You know, it was like the game had gotten close again. This is after the Vernon Davis play. The, the Vernon Davis um, fumble play. Um, and they just ran it three straight times and had to kick a field goal. And one of the runs, the one on second down, was like some funky pitch, like inside pitch handoff to Niles Paul who was the H back in this formation. Oh yeah. 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 I just didn't know like in what scenario that was supposed to work. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, it was just kind of strange. I mean, I feel like the, the Redskins either in the goal line situation, like either running up the ass, try something cute like that, do a um, read option for cousins, which did work um, on one of the plays uh, at one point in the game or the fade that that's the playbook when they're inside the five. Well, you know, when something's working for you, you stick with it. Um, right. I, I, yeah, because they've, they've, they've been so spectacular in the red zone the last year and a half. Uh, stunning. I mean, the fade, the fade is your go-to. I, I should also point out that this comes back to our comments about Samaj P. Ryan and the fact that there is no – they don't have a running back right now. I don't think that they trust in those situations. So there's only kind of so much they can do. Um, I, I'm, I, it's an excuse and it's making excuses for them, but I, I don't know. I'd say it's, it's, it's tough. Cause I don't know what I want them to do in those situations. Uh, my coaching comes on the other side. Um, I could not stop looking at Kyle Shanahan's haircut. Um, did you notice this? I noticed that he kept working the bangs kept, Oh yeah. You know, moving, moving the hair around with the hands. So that was the formation it- he was concerned with. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, at first it looked to me like I was like, well, maybe he had a favorite haircut guy and he was really excited to be back in the area and he headed out to Loudoun County and got got a haircut with his favorite guy or something. That was my first theory. But the more I looked at it, the more it started to look like the alt-right haircut, which was like 
terrifying. Then he had that forelock dipping down and he kept flipping it back. That it was just it was a really unsettling haircut combined with the, the droopy mustache on the quarterback. And there's the whole that whole team needs a makeover, is what I'm saying. Just an image makeover, not necessarily personnel. They're having a tough time. Um 0-6 to start the season. There was some stat that was mentioned on the broadcast or after that they've lost five straight by three or less. And I'm looking at it, and yeah, that checks out. <laughs> they've lost five straight games by three or less in a row to Seattle, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Colts. Now, I, I, I don't know. I mean, their close losses are great, moral victories, I guess, but some of those are bad teams. I don't think the 49ers are, are a good team is what, my, what, I'm, what I'm saying here. I don't think they're a good team. I actually think they may be a little less awful than we were led to believe. Mm -hmm. um, that may just be wishful thinking. I think they are a spectacular candidate for a surprise team next year. A mm -hmm. whole bunch of close losses, a new improved quarterback, whether it's a rookie or Bethard with the experience or Kirk mm -hmm. Cousins or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm calling it now. 49ers will be the, oh, you know, watch them surprise some people team next year. They'll be the Jacksonville Jaguars of every year. <laughs> so I think, I think or, every year the Jaguars are expected. They're like, oh, they're the playoff team. Watch out for. <laughs> or, or your Los Angeles Rams. One or the yes. other. Um, all right. So let's move to the referee, um, refereeing slash broadcast. Cause I have a theory. I have a theory on the Vernon okay. Davis uh, fumble. That was basically a fumble six for the 49ers free touchdown. Um, because the replay was ruled to be inconclusive and the call on the field stood was, was ruled a fumble, even though I think any reasonable person looking at that replay from almost any angle could tell that his elbow was down before the ball was jarred loose or pried loose, I guess, in this situation. It was more of like an arm rip, you know, prying of the ball. Um, so here's my theory for why that went to review and was not overturned. Did you happen to notice that this broadcast, this Fox broadcast, that the replay member of the crew was Mike Pereira. And there was no, yes. there was no mention at any point that I caught. No sighting of Dean Blandino, our old friend. Patron saint of this podcast. I think Blandino is to blame here. That Blandino was the one doing the review. And Blandino <laughs> is not only an incompetent broadcaster, but also an incompetent review official. Do you think he just stares at the screen uh, while the replay runs? I think, he, I think just the time, the I think the time just ran out. The time just ran out. <laughs> he came back with no verdict and they, the referees on the field had no choice, but to say inconclusive. The referees were terrible in this game and were way too involved, but I feel like that's been the case, not only in most Redskins games this season, but across the NFL this season. Is this just me getting old and cranky and being like, this wasn't how it was when I was a kid, or are you seeing that as well? I, I, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that. I, th I think okay. this, game, this game was poorly officiated. I can say that. Very. Um, uh, the nice thing was, in the end, it wound up being poorly officiated on both sides. So it kind of evened out in the end. But I think, I think really... we do have to say, like, you know, I mean, the Vernon Davis thing was a free touchdown for the 49ers. But the Pierre Garçon offensive pass interference on that last drive, that was a killer for the right. against, against the 49ers. I mean, yeah. very, I thought a very questionable call, something that certainly could have gone uncalled. And at the point at which that penalty happened, I mean, they needed 
maybe another 10 yards for like a 49 yarder, 48 yarder. I mean, they were right at that like line on the field where it's like, this is Robbie Gold's, you know, makeable distance. Like they were right there and then they got that penalty and it was like, well, now we have no timeouts. There's like 10 seconds left and we still need to go like 20 yards. Yeah, no, that was a game loser, that, that penalty. And I don't think it was a good call. So in the end, the, the officiating uh, worked out um, or evened out or something. Broadcast-wise, what are your thoughts on Chris Myers as a play-by-play man? I think Chris Myers and his partner, Moose Johnson, I believe, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they are two guys that, like, if you're not really listening, like, they sound like – a professional broadcast duo. It just kind of blends in. It was like the crowd noise, you know, but if you actually listen to them, like they're saying nothing or they're saying like the wrong thing that somehow became like an agreed upon consensus point of view, something like, you know, the Redskins high powered offensive attack. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. That's how Mm -hmm. I feel. I, I just feel like they're, they're kind of like the, the replacement level, like, I don't know, like professional sounding, but not very insightful um, booth. I'm not even sold on professional sounding. For some reason, Chris Myers always sounds to me mildly perplexed. Like the way he sounds when he delivers the promo for The Gifted coming up next on Fox, which is the new X-Men TV show. And, you know, the the, the play-by-play guy reads it and he's like, I don't know what mutant means or any of these silly words. That's how Chris Myers sounds all the time even when calling a football game, which you would think at least at that point, he would have some sort of confidence to his voice. I don't know. I find him incredibly difficult to listen to. um, And on the whole did not enjoy the presentation of this broadcast experience. Yeah. I think this is why Tony Romo has been such a revelation because it's like, he might actually say something interesting. So you kind of want to have the sound up. Whereas most of the broadcast partners is like, yeah, I could just be listening to music or whatever. You know, uh, literally, literally anything else, screaming children. Anything. So, so the last thing I want to mention, at least before we move on is, uh, so the Redskins are three and two. Great. I think like half the NFC is either three and three or three and two, but there's, I mean, the NFC is wide open. The Falcons lost yeah. yesterday at home to the dolphins. Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. The best team is probably the Eagles who the Redskins are playing next week. I it's just it, now would be a very good time for our favorite football team to get its shit together. Yeah, this 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 game is a big 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 deal. Uh, a loss is very bad um as far as chasing any hopes of of winning the division and a win would really uh it would be a statement. It would be good in the standings. It would it would make me feel better after watching this debacle yesterday. Um this is a big one coming up, and it's a nighttime primetime game, so that always ends well. Yeah, that's great. Well, I actually think – so yesterday's outcome might have been the ideal outcome in the sense that they didn't lose, so that's great. They're 3-2. and two. Yeah. Uh, No serious injuries. I mean, I'm not sure what happened with Breland, but no serious injuries. Um, and it's, if they had covered and – and it's kind of humbling you know, to almost lose at home to the 49ers when you're a 12.5-point dog. But they got the win. If they had covered and they kind of beaten up on San Francisco like they beat up on Oakland, I feel like they would have been like overconfident and kind of like too settled to win at Philadelphia. But since they were humbled and everybody's kind of like crabby about them, even though they won, this that might have been like the perfect outcome as a lead-in to the Philly game. 
that might be the most optimistic thing I've heard any Redskins fan say since preseason. I mean, I really twisted twisted myself around there to like get to that conclusion. I was impressed, man. Yeah. That was amazing. Like that was really I, I got nothing to follow up on that with. That was amazing. Um, what are you writing about this week or what have you written about? Uh, I wrote it I wrote about um the it was spawning off the Nationals um wonderful showing. I uh I, I I'm now having ex- existential questions about why we even keep watching these things. When the Nats game was on, I was found myself flipping back and forth to the Eagles Panthers game because the Nats game was so excruciating to watch. And the Eagles Panthers game was like, it was an entertaining sporting event and having no emotional stake in it made it much more pleasant. And, and, you know, Steinberg ran down the list of all the numbers of, of futility in DC sports, uh, but it feels even worse than those already insane numbers sound. So I kind of just talked about that a little bit. So another cheerful column from me. I think the counterpoint to that very logical and understandable argument is that I, I enjoy like playoff failure and ineptitude so much more than what we had before the nationals were in the playoffs every year, like hundred loss seasons are not that far in the rear view. So these hundred win seasons, even though they end very bitterly, I'll take it. Well, not to cost myself clicks, but I think the analogy I use about this, like, is the, uh, is the, does the journey make up for the destination is like, sure it can, but if you get on a train and you think it's heading to South beach and it drops you off in Jacksonville, um, I don't know that, that some good scenery along the way really makes up for it. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> um, Thank you. all right. Well, our, our <laughs> listeners can read that in the Washington city paper. They can follow you at, Matt underscore Turl. Did I get that right? Yeah. At Matt underscore Turl. Yeah, you should do. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back after next Monday night with another reactions pod. Uh, until then, Matt, keep your chin up. Uh, you know, what was it you said earlier? Moral failure? Something about uh, moral failure? I believe spirit, spiritual, spiritual losing and uh, mathematical victory. Okay. Well, I'll try to find some joy in that. And I'll talk to you next <laughs> week. So long. Okay. Bye.